0: Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Super excited to be with you as always. And I'm joined today by Steve Trang. Steve is the founder of Real Estate Disruptors and the Close More Sales Program. His mission is to create 100 new millionaires, which I absolutely love. So Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Absolutely. We often start by asking guests, just rewind to the beginning, how you got started in real estate mm-hmm. in the first place.
1: Yeah, I think just like most other people, it's reading the Purple Bible, right? Rich yeah, 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 the little purple book. Yeah, right. It's that eye opening moment. So you read that and you realize there's a whole other way to support your lifestyle, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I read that book immediately, started buying properties with my friends, uh, which, you know, in hindsight, probably was not the best way to do business, but so we did, <laughs> right? Me, three of my best friends, we, uh, from the LC started buying properties, bought property up in Munns Park in Arizona, bought a property in Austin, Texas, bought some more properties. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think again, like everyone else, like to find out that there's another way to make income besides having a boss, there's not very many things much sexier than that.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more. Uh, long before the fire movement was a thing, I was trying to replace my day job income with rental income. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out as <laughs> as planned.
1: Well, yeah, it's never as easy as it as it appears on, in a book. But yes, eventually, yeah. eventually it works.
0: <laughs> well, you know, so along that theme. Uh, let's talk about those early real estate investing deals that you did and what went wrong. As, you know, mm-hmm. as most investors' first few deals you know, come with yeah. a steep learning curve, a lot of things go wrong. But a lot of those lessons, they stick with you and you learn those lessons mm-hmm. from mistakes more than you learn from your successes. So yeah, walk us through those first couple of investments, how they did, what went wrong, what you learned from them, and what you would tell a novice investor today to help them. Avoid yeah. I would
1: mistakes. say uh, for the very first deal, if you have a plan, stick with the plan. Right. And so we bought that actually not to keep as a rental, only because it was outside of our market, right? We live in Phoenix. There's a property in Months Park. It's an hour and a half, two hours north of here. Uh, so we got it at a distressed price because we just happened to have someone we talk about. We're getting into real estate. Someone's like, I got this, I got this deal for you. And we bought it, right? And we got a really good deal on it. The intent was to flip it, right? Uh, this was 05 when we started, right? End of 05. And then 06 is when we got the flip done. And all my friends were like, because again, I did this with three of my best friends. They're like, well, you know, maybe we should keep this on as a rental until the market turns around, right? And I was like, no, we got into this to flip it. I don't care. We're only making $3,000. We got into this to flip it. We should exit this with the intent to flip. And they decided not to. And there's three of them, right? One of me. So we kept it. And uh, we kept it for a while, actually. And uh, VRBO is kind of known now, right? But right now it's basically Airbnb is the big the big one. Uh, but VRBO is actually what we used in 06 to do vacation rentals. So we were using it as a vacation rental to break even. Not even the profit to break even with our more existing mortgage. So um, <laughs> that was a tremendous waste of time. Um, and we ended up eventually letting it go into foreclosure. So we spent all this effort, got our, took our eye off the ball. Um, and so, and, and I put myself in a position where I didn't have, uh, uh, the ability to influence the outcome or affect the outcome. So I think there's probably a few different lessons in there somewhere.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've been there myself. It is tough investing with other people. You sacrifice control in exchange for you know having a lower amount of money in the deal. Right. But yeah, I mean, and hindsight 2020. 20. I mean, you know, 2006, looking back was obviously a much better time to sell than 2008 through 2012. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't know that you living in 2006. So for sure. Yeah, you, you just you never know where the market's going to go. So tell us about how you scaled from there so you did you know those first couple deals you did with some other investors you mm-hmm. know didn't didn't go to according to plan but of course it never really does for those first few real estate deals but yeah how did, how did your investing strategy change and how did you scale from there
1: uh so from there i got distracted and became a realtor right so like we bought our first property in 05 bought our next property in 06 and then i bought my primary residence in uh 06 oh, uh, and from there I completely got sidetracked started maybe became a realtor. Cause as we are trying to buy rental properties, I was talking to his realtor. I was like, this guy's making a lot of money. You know, like I have a master's degree in electrical engineering. I'm doing well at Intel. And this guy over here is making a lot more money than me as a realtor. What's the story with that? And so I talked to him and I was, and he basically said, you know, Steve, I'll teach you everything. I know if you'll get your real estate license. So I got my real estate license, worked for him and completely took my eye off the ball. And I didn't buy any rental properties again until about 2011. Right. So, Uh, Again, lessons learned here is if you got into something for a reason, stick with it. Not to say like you can't observe your options and evaluate because you've always got to evaluate. But um, becoming a licensed realtor was not the right move. And I feel like I wasted nine years of my life doing that. So uh, stick (laughs) to the plan.
0: (laughs) At a certain point here, you also got into wholesaling real estate. Mm -hmm. So I guess walk us through. So you you got back into real estate investing in 2011. Walk us through what happened from there.
1: Yeah. So we started buying properties in 11 uh, because I was doing pay-per-click, right? So 2010, things kind of started changing. Uh, The market started shifting and REOs were dying down. And I became an REO agent, right? To pay my bills, uh, listing uh, foreclosures for banks. Um, So I become a license I become focused as a realtor again. It's like, how do I get more listings? I joined this coaching program. You know, they teach you how to market for listings. And one of those ways was pay-per-click campaigns. And so I was doing my own pay-per-click and, you know, sell my house and this and that. And I realized that the people that Google sell my house, the, the, all the ads and, and landing pages were more about cash offers than they were about selling my house for top of market. So I changed my campaigns and my websites to reflect that and to get listing opportunities. Right. And I go to these homeowners' houses. I was like, hey, you don't want to sell your house for cash. You want to list it. You're gonna get more money if you list it. And I actually got bullied into buying a lot of houses from these homeowners. Like, no, <laughs> I want the cash offer now. And so we started buying properties and we started hoteling them. But fortunately, I've got a wife who's really sharp, right? And she's like, You're not allowed to sell all these properties. We need <laughs> to keep some of these. So, you know, she forced me to keep some of them. And thank God we did. Uh, so the rental properties we have today, uh, most of them came from the properties that she would not let me wholesale. So that was awesome.
0: Well, you know, and again, hindsight, 2020, 2011 through 2015, not a bad time to buy properties. Uh, but no, again, in great time.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. But I care I mean, more about active income than passive income at the time. And she's like, no, you're not allowed to sell this property. There's a good property, a good location. You're not allowed to sell it. We're keeping this one.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. We we talk to people sometimes who are married and, you know, often it is an advantage having that extra set of eyes, you know, on mm-hmm. these deals uh, and on the bigger picture of your investing strategy. You know, I've also known plenty of investors who are married who their spouse was totally not on board at all with real estate. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah and, and made it harder. Um, so Okay, and by the way, just for our audience, explain the term wholesaling because not everyone is familiar with that term.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Uh, So wholesaling is basically buying a property at wholesale prices, right? You know, 50, 60, 65% of market value. And then just listing on MLS. So wholesale, you're selling to a cash buyer who hopefully they'll pay you 70, 75, 80% or 90%. You know when we had this crazy run of just a few years ago. But if you list on MLS, you can get 100% of market value. So we'd buy these properties cash. Right. Not even like hard money or private money, like just straight cash. Fortunately, my parents worked really hard. So they, we were able to buy these properties cash with no interest payments or nothing. So we got to keep even more uh, of the upside. So buying it cash offer, we were the legit cash buyer. And then we listed on the MLS. Uh, we didn't do very much, you know, uh, maybe carpet and paint, but more than half the properties, all we did was hire a cleaner. Like someone just hauled yeah. out the trash and put it in you know we do the clean ready where they come in and it's 400 bucks 450 bucks to to make the house smell good with pine salt and Mr. Clean or whatever that was it right and then we sell it for full market value
0: so now but when you wholesale you take some losses due to closing costs right yeah well, walk us through your calculus today you know at wholesaling versus wholesaling you know what you specialize in now uh, and your your thoughts on that
1: yeah, so wholesaling is still our preferred strategy because we get in and out real quick, right? You get 10%, yeah. a little less than 10%, but around 10% of uh, the market value. So if the property's worth 300. You can clear 30K pretty quick, probably closer to 22. Right? You can clear that pretty quick. That's You get in, and get out. You're in the transaction for less than 30 days. That's wholesale, right? You find someone that wants cash now. You find a buyer that wants cash now who's going to flip it or keep in, their, keep in their portfolio. That's great. You get in and you get out. and the cash conversion cycle is really short. So you move your money really fast, you turn it over pretty quick, Uh, which is great, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But as you get larger, you wanna keep a larger percentage of the profit perhaps, then in that instance, I'm gonna close on it keeping myself, right? And then sell it on MLS. So what are my costs? My initial closing costs, maybe about one, one and a half percent for title fees and this and that, but uh, this is just a cash transaction. Uh, I'm unrepresented. They're unrepresented, right? Or I guess you can technically argue I was representing myself as a realtor, but they're unrepresented. There's no commission fees. I'm not buying this through my brokerage, right? At this time. So there's not very much cost there. And there was no holding cost because it was their own cash. When we sold it, what are we responsible for? Same title costs again, right? And then 3% commission to the buyer's agent. And then closing costs if there was like, you know, if they wanted concessions, this and that. So, I mean, in and out, we're in it for less than 10% total for holding costs, but if we buy it for, you know, 70% of market value and we sell it for a hundred percent, we got to keep 20% in margin there. right? And that's our profit for doing that deal.
0: So, and by the way, if, if anyone's listening out there, who's not familiar with wholesaling real estate. It's basically flipping contracts, right? So you, you get a deal under contract for a, an outstanding price and you turn around and you sell the rights to that contract to the actual end real estate investor buyer. It's arbitrage. It's arbitrage. arbitrage. Right? Yeah. Just, so you And you, you get a, a finder's fee basically that you yeah. build into that. So I'm not a wholesaler myself. I've never really done it. I've bought properties through wholesaling before occasionally, mm-hmm. but it's always seemed to me that you need to be really good at two things if you're wholesaling real estate. One is finding great deals. And the other is building a network of buyers, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone is interested in getting into real estate wholesaling, because it is a great way to get started in real estate without very much money. You just need the earnest money deposit, basically. So what are some of your tips for both finding outstanding deals and Mm -hmm. also building that network of buyers to flip the contract to?
1: Uh, Finding outstanding deals. I mean, this is tried and true and it's not news, right? So it's not exciting, but, you know, driving for dollars. Uh, seeing homes that are in obvious disrepair. It's an eyesore to the community. Your neighbors want you to buy this, right? So I would say that's the uh, place to start, I think, deal machine, right? I mean, for 97 bucks a month, you get like the app pulls the records and this and that. So I, I would say that's the best place to start if you're low on capital. Even better if you're doing Uber, Uber eats whatever so that you're forced to drive around <laughs> and then you see <laughs> now you can pay to drive for dollars. Uh, so, I think that's the best place to start. Uh, beyond that, it gets pretty expensive pretty fast. I don't think most gurus do a, a fair job of explaining how hard, how much it costs to get into wholesaling. Um, yeah. Right. Because you talk about pulling data, you got to buy data, you got to skip trace the data, you got to get a dialer unless you're using your phone. If you're using your phone, you're dialing manually. You got to get, you don't have to get a CRM, but like there's all these costs that are 39 $99, $300 bucks a month, right? Pretty quick before you even do your first deal. And so I would say don't do that initially unless you've got some working capital. I would say you drive either driving for dollars or, uh, or cold call or door knock, uh, pre-foreclosures. That's a great place to start. Also understand, get a massive uphill battle because not everyone, but there are a lot of people doing that strategy. It's a low cost, uh, low barrier to entry. As far right. as finding the buyers, uh, finding the buyers is not as hard uh, either. This one does cost depending on which direction you want to go. Investor lift is one that we like a lot, but you know, to start off, there that's five hundred bucks a month. The other option is just go with a realtor, have a realtor in your network that you know may or may not be okay with giving you certain access, right? So they can find the cash buyers for you, or you can also work with a mentor in town and just send them all your deals. You're not going to make as much; you're only going to keep half the deal, right, or whatever you guys negotiate. You can find buyers that way. So instead of selling it to the end buyer directly, you have a co-wholesaler. Some people call these guys daisy Chainers. some people don't like these guys, but they provide value. A lot of my deals I was wholesaling in the beginning. I was selling to Keegley, Jamil Damji, and then he was selling to his, his end buyer. And it worked great because we would split 10K fees, 15K fees, and I got to keep 50-50. So that's another way to get started on finding buyers.
0: That's a great way for newbies to Get into this in the first place uh, because it does take time to build that buyers list, right? So mm-hmm. you know while you're building your own buyers list, you can still get started with wholesaling deals uh, if you partner with a co wholesaler, you know, do a daisy chain, you know, however you uh, want to put it. Uh, no, yeah. that's a great tip for people just to get in the game and get started, which is half the battle, right? I mean, just getting yeah. off the bench and into the game is uh, is half of it. So, what other tips would you have for someone who is interested in getting into wholesaling? Interested in getting into wholesaling potentially? Would you recommend that they get their realtor's license or no?
1: Uh, I would absolutely re- recommend against getting the realtor license. Uh, <laughs> it okay, it doesn't necessarily help you in the beginning. It's valuable later on, right? Because being being a good realtor, y- again, you 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 get good at comping, uh, you have access to other realtors and their cash buyers, uh, and you have access directly to the MLS and tax records, this and that. So, being a realtor is valuable. But not so valuable that you need to become a realtor, Uh, I would say, if anything, it's probably just important to have a realtor close in your network uh, as you're wholesaling. I would say one of the skills is understated, underrated is sales, which is, you know, where I hang my hat on, closemyselves.com. That's where we do a lot of our sales training, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and obviously before then, right? If Brian's in distress and I can get a hold of Brian, I'm buying the deal, right? Because, like, there was no batch skip tracing, right? There was no prop stream. There, th- these yeah. resources weren't available. You didn't have Privy to comp it. You didn't have all these different tools. So back then, if I can get in front of Brian, I got the deal. Today, everyone has all the same data sources. Everyone's using the same skip tracing providers. Everyone's using the same dialers and the same recycled phone numbers that turn spam and you sell it back. And, and like there's this whole process now, right? So then how do you separate yourself? Well, the way you separate yourself today my belief i'm totally biased so take this with a grain of salt is who's the best at sales who can sit in front of a homeowner develop the trust and rapport and connect with them fully understand their position what's keeping them up keeping them up at night what's the ideal outcome are they losing sleep what are they trying to do to fix the problem um what's it going to feel like when all the weight on their shoulders has been uh taken off we go through all that in our sales process right so if you can't have that conversation, then you're gonna sound like every other wholesaler is like, well, that spot in the in the ceiling, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna cost. And I gotta get this house to HGTV condition. And look, I got holding costs, I got closing costs, I gotta pay realtor fees, like and that it's this whole adversarial combative negotiation, which also works. I would just argue that if you can put yourself in their position, in their shoes, see the world through their eyes. Be empathetic that you will win more in the long run.
0: Well, there's no question about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've, I've seen that play out time and time again in sales. So so your sales training focuses on wholesalers, not on realtors. Is that correct?
1: So we've made a majority of our income teaching wholesalers how to buy houses. Yes. It also works with realtors, but I don't know what it is. And maybe I'm just really bad at marketing. Uh, but realtors believe they're good in sales and they're not. So I've got that obstacle, but we made a conscious decision middle of last year to just do sales training for all industries. So it's not limited to anybody, but we definitely cut our teeth with teaching wholesalers how to buy houses deep.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, you know, I, obviously you can't give away all of your sales tips or tricks, but uh, are there any sales tips or tricks that you can share with the audience, you know, whether they're looking to get into wholesaling or, or just investing in properties in general?
1: The key things is setting proper expectations. Hey, Brian, you know, at the end of our time together, if we can agree on price and everything else is important to you, would you feel comfortable committing to working with me? Right. Something super simple, something you couldn't say to your mom. Right. So I think setting proper expectations up front, the willingness to get uncomfortable. Like, hey, Brian, how long have you been dealing with this? What have you tried to do about this? What happens if we can't help you? Uh, By the way, where are you going? How awesome is that going to be? Right. Can you tell me, like, can you describe how it's going to feel when you're finally over here? Right. So having those kinds of conversations, um, negotiations is not about me versus you in conversations and pricing is like, Brian, what are you willing to accept? What do you need to walk away with? And you're like, well, I need this. It's like, oh, man, if you need that, I'm not going to be your guy. Right. And then having you negotiate against yourself versus me and just hitting you with that little offer over and over again. It's just me like, hey, like, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, The ability to communicate like, hey, Brian, you know, what you're trying to get is pretty darn near market value. And I think it's great if you're willing to, you know, put in the repairs, waste some time, uh, get a realtor and all these things. I think it's great. You deserve that amount of money. Right. It's consultative. It's not adversarial. If you're looking for a quick cash close where this is done and you go to bed tonight knowing that all your problems are resolved, you know, you never have to worry about this again. I want to do that for you, but I can't do that for you at your price. Right. So now it's like it's this price. And all this or my price and all the things that you want. But you get to pick which one you want versus this thing where I I beat up on you. And then the last thing is we like to prevent remorse. Hey, you know, Brian, sometime between now and the next 30 days, you're going to wake up and you're going to wonder, like, what did I agree to? Why did I agree to sell my house to that guy for such a low price? And I want you to know, Brian, that's a totally normal feeling. So when that happens, it's not unusual at all. So then when they had that feeling later on, they're like, well, Steve said it was going to happen. So I guess it's not unusual. And then they don't freak out and cancel. So those are all the different things we do.
0: Those are great tips and advice. And I would encourage everyone listening to hit the pause button, (laughs) rewind three minutes and jot down everything that Steve just said. Because the way that he said it, uh, again, non-adversarial; it's con- consultative, and throughout the entire thing, you know, a trend in everything that Steve just said is leaving the other party with a sense of choice and a sense of control, so that they're not feeling like they're being pushed around um, by the other party, and that is crucial in sales. So, Steve, those are great tips. Or tips you went through them really quickly, uh, which is awesome. So, everyone, go back. <laughs> <laughs> re-, re listen to that, write it all down. And most of all, walk away with the broader lesson there of you know, not being adversarial, leaving the other person feeling included as in, you know, leaving the decision with them that they have total control over what's going on. Uh, I love that, Steve. So Steve, if anyone wants to work with you, if they want to learn more about what you're doing, if they want to learn more about your sales process and, and sales training, how-, how can they connect with you?
1: Uh, the best way to get hold of me uh, is Instagram at steve.trang. Uh We have Real Estate Disruptors on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. And if they want to work with us, Um, That's where you can find our offerings on, on our sales solutions. That doesn't matter where you are in a cycle, in your in, in the journey, in your career. We can we have an option for everyone in the different seasons of their journey. That's awesome.
0: So Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun, and we hope to have you back soon.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you ask great questions. Look forward to doing it again.
0: Absolutely. Well, guys, if you enjoy these conversations that we have, please rate, review the show. It means the world to us. And be in touch, Brian at, uh, at SparkRental.com or support at SparkRental.com. We read all these emails ourselves. There's not like a bot somewhere. Uh, so stay in touch. Let us know what you want to hear more about. And we will catch you next Tuesday. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.